Welcome to the Disney Wedding Podcast, brought to you by Passporter's Disney Weddings and Honeymoons, the only guidebook and bridal organizer tailored exclusively to Disney's fairy tale weddings. I'm your host, Carrie Hayward. Each week I feature a different aspect of Disney weddings, from the latest news, information, and money-saving tips, to interviews with wedding vendors and real Disney brides and grooms. I also cover honeymoons, anniversaries, and engagements at the Disney parks and resorts. Join me now as the Disney Wedding Podcast celebrates romance at Disney destinations worldwide. Today on the Disney Wedding Podcast, I am joined once again by Christy Summers, and we are going to talk about honeymoons at Disneyland. Now, a lot of the Disney weddings that we cover happen at Disney World, but there are also weddings at Disneyland, and sometimes people who even got married at Disney World take their honeymoons at Disneyland. So we're going to look at the differences between honeymooning at Disneyland and Disney World, and then focus specifically on Disneyland with the same kinds of things that you're interested in for Disney World honeymoons. So where are the most romantic restaurants? What's the best resort to stay in? What are some extra fun activities you can add that will really make your honeymoon special? So welcome, Christy. Hi, Carrie. Thanks for having me on your show again today. Well, I know you are actually the Disneyland honeymoon expert for Magical Day Weddings, so you are the perfect (laughs) person to have on this show. (laughs) I don't know. I think that title might supersede me a little bit there, (laughs) but I'll take it. (laughs) Well, now, I should say that I did not have my honeymoon at Disneyland, but I do go to Disneyland about once a month, and you go even more, so hopefully we will be able to put our heads together and come up with a lot of great tips for people who maybe you're from the East coast and you go to Disney World all the time and for your honeymoon you want to do something special and different and go to Disneyland. Maybe you've never been to Disneyland before or maybe you go all the time. So Christy and I are going to come up with some ideas for you. Yes, definitely. One thing, uh, you know, most people, especially people who are used to only going to Walt Disney World, they say, well, Disneyland is so small. How can you make a whole honeymoon out of going to Disneyland? Like how long do you even need to spend there? So The first thing I like to do is tell people you need to spend longer there than you think. I think that for a honeymoon, to have time to relax, to see both parks, especially now that California Adventure actually has something to see in it, three to four days minimum. I mean, I think four days is actually good. Christy, what do you think? I agree. I wouldn't do anything less. I mean, if you only had a few days to get away or to make it over there, then I would say three days would be the absolute minimum. But I would actually go with probably more like five or six days because then that will give you to make sure that you can see everything without having to rush and also to uh, just enjoy the area because there's so much to see in the area itself as well. Right. And I think not having to rush is key. And one of the reasons why we took a 10-day honeymoon at Disney World, because there, there's so much to see. And I didn't want to be doing the commando touring the whole time. And it's the same at Disneyland because, you know, I, I kind of compare it to when we went to Tokyo Disney and Tokyo Disney Sea. We had never been to either park before. And even though there are only two parks, you know, having one full day in Tokyo Disneyland, one full day in Tokyo Disney Sea, and then two days to go back and forth among them and hit the highlights, even that didn't feel like enough time. So I think that if this were my first time at Disneyland, I would feel the same. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Especially like you said, California Adventure now, it truly is its own park. And 
you can spend an entire day there. And, and I mean, you could probably do everything there in an entire day, but it's just nice to have the time and the option to go uh, back and forth between the two parks because they are so close to each other and, and to see everything you want to see and do everything you want to do. Plus, like you say, you might want to see some other things in the area. You know, lots of people want to see Universal Studios or they want to go down to San Diego and see the zoo or go up to Santa Barbara or just explore Southern California. So don't let those adventures infringe on your time at Disneyland. Make sure you have time enough to do it all. Yeah. There have been plenty of articles and I'm sure podcasts on the differences in general between Walt Disney World and Disneyland. Uh, Disneyland being much smaller, it's easier to get around. To me, that says you have more time for relaxation or for going to these restaurants we're going to tell you about. Uh, The big other difference I always mention to people that is a big difference between honeymooning at Walt Disney World and at Disneyland is There are fewer opportunities for that sort of extra pixie dust. You know, you hear people going to Disney World and they have their honeymoon ears and people are congratulating them all over the place and giving them free desserts and they get pulled aside by cast members for special photo ops and all that stuff. And I don't know if it's just that there are fewer cast members at Disneyland or they're not as nice or or it's just you have less of a chance. But you do hear people saying, I didn't get kind of that royal treatment that I always hear about at Disney World when I was at Disneyland. So many blogs, podcasts, everyone has said it before that, and it's a well-known fact, Disneyland is truly a locals park. Most of the people that are going there are locals. So, you know, people go there to celebrate everything. I know that we do, you know, (laughs) Um, if it's our birthday, we go, our anniversary, if something great happens at work, if I am just in a happy mood, we go and we feel like celebrating. But, you know, that doesn't mean we always wear the buttons or anything necessarily. But, um, but when we do, we you know, if we're wearing our birthday buttons or our anniversary, we will find the cast members, you know, wishing you congratulations on whatever the occasion is. Um, but sometimes you can tell, I think maybe they're hardened by it because they see it so often. And so you just, you don't always get that happy reaction that you might want to see, but that doesn't discount that there are cast members out there that love to help make those magical moments happen. Right. I remember noticing that during the um, What Will You Celebrate campaign at Disney World, people were mentioning that they felt like the pixie dust for honeymooners had gone down because everybody there was celebrating. That was like the whole point of that year or 18 months or whatever. I really think that was the decline of seeing cast members excited about celebrating because before that, not everyone knew that you could, you know, get a button to showcase your birthday or your honeymoon or whatever it might be. And so that that promotion really, I think, it it almost killed itself. (laughs) Yeah, thanks a lot, Disney. Thanks for ruining it for us. (laughs) (laughs) Now we don't want to celebrate. No, I'm just kidding. But but yeah, I think it's just maybe made some of the cast members a little jaded saying happy birthday to every other person that walks on the ride enthusiastically right. so um but well no and this is not to dissuade you the listener from going now wanting to take your honeymoon to disneyland it's still a fabulous <laughs> place to go it is it, it truly is and and like i said it's not to discount that there are cast members that will go that extra mile to make magical moments i mean we've been there plenty of times and not showing that we're celebrating anything and, and had cast members that really go out of their way to help make your trip magical So just if you're wearing your honeymoon ears, no matter if you're at Disney World or Disneyland, I would just say don't expect anything and anything that happens is just a perk. Exactly. took the words right out of my mouth. (laughs) (laughs) 
So now let's talk about some of the extra special romantic things you can do at Disneyland, especially since, as we mentioned, it's a locals park. If you do go there a lot and then you decide to go again for your honeymoon, what are some things you can do to make it a little different? I always start with, well, where can you stay? Obviously, way fewer hotels than at Disney World. So are there any particularly romantic hotels, would you say, Christy? My personal favorite is the Disneyland Hotel. I just think the nostalgia that it offers, especially since they refurbished it recently in the over the last year, um, just there's so many different things to see and and different pieces of the of Disney history within the hotel itself that you really feel the connection when you're at the hotel. Granted, Disney himself didn't originally build the hotel. It was <laughs> it was other people that he, that he brought in to do that, but. Um, but just for the nostalgia factor, it, it's my favorite personally. Yeah, and I really like it a lot better since it's been renovated. It's right up there with Grand Californian now. I always have given the Grand Californian edge because it's in, quote unquote, California Adventure. I've never really understood that because it's not like in it, in the middle of it or in it the way <laughs> Tokyo uh, Miracosta is in the middle of Tokyo Disney Sea. But um and it's just so darn close to everything. And a lot of people love Grand Californian because it has that sort of craftsmen, um, arts and crafts, stained glass, dark wood, they feel that that's very romantic. Probably the same people who think that Wilderness Lodge is very romantic. And I'm not disputing that, but I think it's a it's a certain kind of romance. And if you're into more like flowery Victorian Grand Floridian romance, I don't know if there's a place at Disneyland that's like that. <laughs> there's a quality in across the street that looks like a ripoff of the French Quarter. <laughs> but I don't think that's quite what you're looking for there. <laughs> yeah, so I think... With the hotels, you kind of have to make your own romance. I mean, not that they're not romantic. And I know there are special suites at the Disneyland Hotel. They have, I don't know if they call them romance suites, but they're super expensive and they're a little bit nicer. And then, of course, they have the really expensive themed ones like the Big Thunder themed suite and then the Mickey themed suite. So, you know, if that's something that you're interested in to sort of put the honeymoon over the top, then go nuts. That's a great idea. Check out the Disneyland Hotel. Yeah, if you can afford that suite, please be sure to invite us over so that we can come and take a look at it. <laughs> yeah, because you can afford to have us there too. <laughs> so if staying at an on-site Disney hotel is too expensive for you, and um, it it is for most people because they do charge quite a bit to stay there, um, then if you're going to look at the off-site hotels, there are so many around Disneyland. I don't know, Carrie, how many would you say? There has to be like 100 around There's there. one bazillion, I believe, is the number. <laughs> I think that's a pretty accurate number. So I would just really encourage and looking to go onto TripAdvisor and read the user ratings because you want to read about people's experiences. And of course, you know, you have to take everything with a grain of salt, but there's a lot of areas around Disneyland and you could have one hotel that's nice and decent right next to it, have one that's really grungy and not nice. And I'm, again, I'm not trying to discourage people from staying there, but it is, it's a totally different experience from Walt Disney World, like Carrie mentioned earlier. So um, if you're interested in staying there, there's some that I would recommend, the, the Sheraton that's off of Ball Road and Disneyland Drive. That Sheraton is really nice, and um, it's sort of away from all the other hotels, and it sort of looks like Snow White's Cottage, which is silly, but it's cute. No, it is. And then um, the the Hilton over by the convention center, and there's sort of a row of hotels over there. I think there's a Marriott and one other big chain, but those those tend to be um, pretty popular, and and they're in a kind of a nicer strip of of the area. There's small ones like the Candy Cane Inn. So um, just make sure that if you are going to stay in an offsite, maybe check out to see what Disney's good neighbor hotels are in the area, and and start with those first. 
And then my tips on those would just be to make sure they have a shuttle because even though it may be, it may say it's around the corner from Disneyland or it looks like it's just over the fence from California Adventure, there's actually only like one entrance to Disneyland from the main drag. And so if you have to walk, you actually have to walk all the way around the entire perimeter of California Adventure to get up to the entrance just to get in. So most, unless you're like directly across the street from the entrance to Disneyland and California Adventure, you're going to want to take a shuttle from your hotel. And I can speak from personal experience. We've walked that walk before and it's a lot longer than you think it is. (laughs) (laughs) And then just um, talking about the Sheraton, we've stayed there and we discovered that the parking lot there is the secret best place to watch Disneyland's fireworks from. They now have it, there's a gate arm so you can't just drive in there unless you're a guest. But the fire Fireworks are shot off from behind Toontown, and the Sheraton is behind Toontown, and they're like right in your face, right over your head. It's amazing. You can't really hear the music, of course, but it's the most spectacular up-close fireworks show you'll ever see. It, it, you, we've seen it from over there, and you're right. It's such a great view right there. So it's like you can get the fireworks view without necessarily having to pay for it. <laughs> there you go, just for parking at the Sheraton. <laughs> So, okay, so moving on to romantic restaurants. Again, a lot fewer restaurants at Disneyland and California Adventure than in Disney World. But we'll go over our top picks for which would be the most romantic if you're planning a special honeymoon meal. For us, I know, Carrie, you are not a fan of buffets, but um, <laughs> <laughs> or probably character meals. I don't know. Are, how How's your take on character meals? Not crazy about them. No? Okay. So um, sometimes I act like I'm 12 and I love them. So (laughs) I don't I I mean, I I have no problem with adults going to character meals. I'm just (laughs) super not into characters. So, yeah, and I I totally get that. So um, but, you know, if whatever side of the fence you're on, if you like to go to character meals, our favorite one, there are quite a few. There's one at each of the Disney hotels. So um, that's three. And then there's one at the princess meals. There's breakfast and dinner. I think they just started lunch too, um, over at Ariel's Grotto and California Adventure. But our favorite one is at Disneyland and that's, it's only a breakfast. It's Minnie and Friends Breakfast in the Park, I think is the full name of it. And it's at the Plaza Inn, which is really cool because that's where Walt used to have his coffee in the morning. So, (laughs) um, so it's at the end of Main Street and you can either sort of overlook Main Street or the castle and part of Tomorrowland, depending on what area of the restaurant you're in. And so it, it has a really nice view. The atmosphere is really nice. And for a breakfast buffet, it's it's our favorite. Um, they don't have a huge selection, but uh, but we always enjoy the food there. And no matter what we're celebrating, because like I said earlier, when we go to Disneyland, uh, when we're celebrating something, we usually go to Disneyland and uh, Minnie and Friends is usually where we stop to celebrate. <laughs> well, I have to say that I the only character meal I've ever been to was that one, which I was taken to against my will by a friend who wanted to meet there. <laughs> and um, <laughs> it from what I've heard, because I know sometimes you can go to character meals and you're like, oh, half the good ones skip me or whatever. I can vouch for the fact that like all of the characters came by. There was a ton of interaction. Like they actually stayed and did jokes and stuff with everybody at the table. And so for my first and only character meal experience, I was pretty impressed. Oh, wait, that's not true. I've had breakfast with the princesses in Norway. Darn. Okay. <laughs> See how much you remembered that? <laughs> <laughs> it was way more memorable than Norway, apparently. <laughs> yeah. And that's what's so great about Minnie and Friends, too, is that they have obscure characters, not to make this show about Minnie and Friends, but um, the only guaranteed character is Minnie. And from there, we've seen uh, the fairy godmother comes around. We've seen Wendy and Peter, Captain Hook, um, people from Pinocchio, just all different kinds of 
you know, different movies, it runs the, the gambit there. So um, you never know who you're going to get and who you're going to meet. That's a good tip. So then if you're thinking more like low lights, soft music, uh, grown-up adult romantic dining, I think most people's thoughts turn first to the Blue Bayou, which has atmosphere in spades. Is I just love going there just to sit at a table by the water and watch the boats go by. The food is better than it used to be, but not as good as the prices would indicate. Right. So I can't vouch for it being a gourmet experience, but everybody has to do it once. And I think it, it's... Sometimes we've had meals where the food wasn't that great, but it was still a super romantic meal because of all the other aspects. So I wouldn't say to pass up the Blue Bayou. And just a tip, the lunch is a lot less expensive than the dinner is. And it's always night there, <laughs> even yes, at lunchtime. Ex- exactly. So you don't have to worry about that. Yeah, for, for atmosphere, I would definitely agree. The Blue Bayou, if you've never been, everyone should do it at least once. But if you're going for the Monte Cristo, then my suggestion would be to go across the way to Cafe Orleans because it's cheaper there and you get the garlic fries. Yes, this is the hottest tip for Disney dining that either of us know. You go to get the Monte Cristo at Cafe Orleans because it is cheaper. They will let you split it and they won't charge you a split plate fee. And as Christy says, you get garlic fries. <laughs> With that remoulade sauce. Oh, so good. And you have to ask for two remoulades because one is never enough. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> um, and then, of course, the finest dining at the Disneyland Resort trademark is Napa Rose. And I think it's probably one of the best restaurants in Southern California. We like to go to all the swanky restaurants in Southern California, and the Napa Rose is consistently, the quality always stands up to any of the other swanky restaurants. And the service is impeccable, very discreet, very warm and friendly. I'm sure when you're celebrating a special occasion, I've only ever celebrated my birthday there, but even for that, they were always bent over backwards. So I'm sure that for an anniversary or a honeymoon meal, it's a great choice. Yeah, definitely. And it's like you said, it's the top tier restaurant in all of the resort. Uh, for me, I do enjoy Carthay Circle. Um, they're brand new. So I will give them a little bit of leeway there because uh, the food the food has been good when we've eaten there. The service has been nice, I will say, but maybe lacking a little in consistency and polish. Yes, polish. That's a perfect <laughs> word for it. Thank you, I, Carrie. Well, I mean, they're nice in that they are kind, but, um, you know, they did not. Apparently, the, the, originally the intention was they were going to bring people from Club 33 and from Napa Rose to serve there, and they couldn't get those people to come over. So they have people who have training working at, like, Carnation Cafe, and there's nothing wrong with that, but it's not the kind of fine dining service that you get at Napa Rose. So be forewarned. Well, you know, and that'll make sense, too, because... When we were there, when they first opened, they did seem quite overwhelmed. And so that would make sense if they're coming from, say, Carnation Cafe to Carthay Circle, just because it's a completely different atmosphere and environment. But I will say that the restaurant itself is absolutely stunning. It's gorgeous. So similar to Blue Bayou and and the atmosphere, I would say that Carthay Circle needs to be seen at least once because it's just, it's so beautiful inside. Definitely. And I don't know about you, but I always love places in Disney parks that I can go inside, like that you can actually go inside the castle and at Walt Disney World and the Magic Kingdom and eat there is fantastic, no matter how bad the food is. And so the fact that you can go inside the Carthay Circle Theater, it's not just something you can look at, is really cool. Yeah, that is. And when you're upstairs and it opens up to the parapet, you can sort of see out of it that that just really brings it home. You are inside the theater. It's really neat. Yeah. 
And then probably more of a hidden gem is Steakhouse 55, which is at the Disneyland Hotel. Hidden literally. I mean, it's like in the back of the hotel, on the ground floor, behind the character dining that everybody goes to. Not that they're hurting for customers because the food there is really good. It's a really high-end steakhouse. I'd say it's on a par with Yachtsman Steakhouse at Walt Disney World. Um, The menu is not as extensive, but everything that we've ever had there has been excellent. We've eaten there before, too, for brunch and for dinner, and we've always enjoyed our meal there. So then moving on from restaurants, let's talk about some ways that you can add special experiences to your honeymoon trip to make it that much more romantic. And I know at first I was kind of stumped on this one because at Disney World you can do things like a dessert party or a fireworks cruise, and Disneyland doesn't really have anything like that. Uh, If you did want to do some sort of small private event for just the two of you, you'd pretty much be stuck just asking private dining if you're staying at, say, the Grand Californian, if they can maybe set up a meal for you on a balcony because the special events department there just does not work with small groups simply because there's no small group pricing. Like, if you want to have dinner in the Haunted Mansion, it's 40 grand. That's just the way it is. You can't, you know, there's no lower minimum. Who doesn't have 40 grand to just blow on a dinner? I I don't understand. (laughs) So, um, yeah, it's just sort of, they, they aren't mean about it, but it's kind of like, well, we don't have a space small enough that just two people could afford it. So, Christy, why don't, do you have some ideas of some things people could add? Well, for me, it's really the little things because there's so much history at Disneyland, right? I mean, it's the one that started it all, really. So um, there's little things that, that we like to do is like Main Street. You can really spend a lot of time on Main Street. And if you're interested in, in the history of Disney at all, you can spend quite a bit of time just sort of looking through and, and finding different things uh, around the area. There's, um, you know, there's great moments with Mr. Lincoln, which obviously is, is super a huge romantic <laughs> what that's not romantic well, it is a darkened theater <laughs> just sit in the back row no no um but you know there's the gallery to walk through they always have some type of a neat exhibit in there um Well, if we're talking about just romantic spots in Disneyland especially, um, I love the Court of Angels, although recently Disney has been pimping it out to all different kinds of limited-time sales opportunities. I think next it's going to become an outpost of the princess and pirate makeover place that they have in Magic Kingdom, but that's temporary. So hopefully when you're there, it will be empty the way it should be so that you can go neck on the stairs. (laughs) <laughs> and there's some great shopping back there, too. Not not in the Court of Angels, because, of course, like you said, the little pop-up shop, not so great. But the little shops in New Orleans Square, which is fun to walk through. And then, let's see, other romantic. Well, I, I think Storybook Land at night or even the Casey Jr. Circus Train. Those Casey can be ro- Jr. I'm sorry. Yeah. I didn't mean to cut you off. That's one of We do that almost every single time we go. We adore Casey Jr. The boats I love, but they scare me because I'm afraid I might tip it over. But that's an old memory I'll have to tell you about. Uh, maybe not on the show. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that's a great area. Yeah, so, um, and I'm trying to think other romantic, boy, I sure wish we still had the Skyway. That would be super romantic. Yes, Um, it would. Well, you know, really, I have to say overall that Disneyland's Fantasyland is quite different than Fantasyland at Walt Disney World. And if that's what you're used to, I would say to also take time and enjoy the Fantasyland here because I have to say our Peter Pan wins. Yes. It's pretty awesome. Yes. And Patrick just reminded me the teacups, our teacups don't have a covering over them. They have beautiful lights strung up and you can look up at the stars as you put your arm around your loved one and try not to lose your lunch on the teacups. (laughs) How can I forget that? That's the background of my blog. (laughs) (laughs) 
And, um, but yeah, and we have, uh, Alice in Wonderland and Mr. Toads. And, um, those are things that you can only experience here. And same thing with the Matterhorn. It's too bad that they just changed the seats on the Matterhorn because before you could double up in your seat and, you know, one of you had to sit in the other one's lap, and, uh, <laughs> but now you can't do that. So, <laughs> so yeah. Okay. Those are great ideas for rides. Um, as for special events and things, there are really only two that I can think of off the top of my head. One is you can do the Fantasmic Dessert Party, and that is open to the public the way the Magic Kingdom Dessert Party is, where you watch the fireworks for wishes. Basically, you get a reserved seat and a little box of ice-cold desserts that they pulled out of the refrigerator. For some reason, this really bothers me. Like, they don't serve <laughs> the desserts at room temperature, so you can barely taste them. Uh, and so it's nice because you don't have to go put down a blanket two hours early or whatever, but you do have to actually show up at least an hour early to put your name on a seat and then you go away and then you come back for the show. So that's just something to know. And then there is, of course, the World of Color dinner package where you can eat at a couple of the different restaurants in California Adventure. And if you spend a certain amount, they give you a little pass that lets you into the reserved viewing area for World of Color. Yeah, and for that, I would recommend doing the one at Carthay Circle. And and for the, for Carthay Circle, you have to order an entree, and it's either a dessert or an appetizer with it. But their viewing area is different than the one for say like One Country Trattoria, and it's it's further back. And I was when I first went there, I thought further back, that's not going to be that great of a view. But oh my goodness, it was the best view we've ever had, and we've seen the show a number of times and from many different areas and from the other reserved viewing area. And and that alone was almost worth, you know, everything at Carthay Circle because the viewing area was really spectacular. This is interesting. Tell me about this because we just did Carthay Circle Dining of World of Color and I didn't notice. I felt like we were in the same place we were when we did Ariel's, but that was like two years ago. So what's the difference? Where do they put you if you eat at Wine Country or at Ariel? Oh, no, Ariel's isn't even offering the package anymore. So where did they put you if you eat at Wine Country? Well, in wine country, they put you, there's sort of in the middle of the park, there's this round rotunda area that leads down to these steps. And before with, when they offered it at Ariel's and, and wine country, that was the area where they sort of pulled everybody. I noticed that every time we've seen this show, and like I said, it's been several times and several times we've gone to have the reserved seating with the dining, they always tend to shift it slightly. But generally for the dining packages, you were in the middle or maybe even toward the front. And there were times you could even go up to the very front. Right. But when we did it at, for Carthay Circle, we were in the very last row of Paradise Park, the viewing area for the show. And uh, we were right in the middle and and we had this whole area and apparently not a lot of people took advantage of the package because there were very few people in the viewing area with us. So we had a lot of space. We didn't have to worry about everyone sort of, you know, crowding together. And because even in the other reserved dining area, while you do tend to have space, everyone sort of convenes into, you know, a one general spot. And with the Carthay Circle, we didn't experience that. That's a great tip. Yeah, I do find that, you know, you it's really key to have space around you because it's not, uh, what would they say, raked or whatever. You know, it's a flat terrace. And so unless you're at the front of each level, you've got people's heads right in front of you. So that's a great tip. And it's a long show. It's just under 30 minutes. So, yeah, <laughs> you want your elbow room. <laughs> so we should probably mention Downtown Disney. Probably. <laughs> our downtown Disney, I keep saying our, I take ownership in the park. I am one of those Disney fans, yes. But uh, Disneyland's downtown Disney is is similar in some ways to the Walt Disney World's downtown Disney, but it's also quite different in that it's much more condensed. 
right. And so that's a great option for, well, I would say after the parks close because it does stay open a little bit later than the parks close. But also if maybe you don't have admission on that last day of your trip or whatever, uh, I don't think that you could spend the whole day at Downtown Disney like maybe you could do in Florida, but it's a great place to go for a bite to eat. You can see the fireworks from Catal, one of the restaurants there. And it's just a fun way to sort of extend your trip after you can't get in the parks anymore. You go to Downtown Disney and you finish on a high note. There's also a lot of live entertainment if you're just sort of walking around. There's different kinds of musical acts all throughout the area. So even if you're not going to eat, if you're not going to shop, maybe, or if you just want to window shop, there's even entertainment just walking through the area. That's a good point. Yeah. And right now, anyway, since they're remaking the uh, Carnation Plaza, you can even do the swing dancing out there at Disney, downtown Disney. Yes. And I have to say, I was so sad when they when they oh, closed the area. Yes. But it is so nice to walk through. And there's so many people out there doing the swing dancing. It's a lot of fun on Saturday nights. That's great. And then one other little bit is that we're getting Earl of Sandwich, and I cannot wait. <laughs> oh, me either. Finally. one if, if you don't know, one of the biggest problems with our downtown Disney in California has been the lack of quick service, like takeaway food. They had like a pretzel place and then they added a place where you could buy pizza next to the restaurant that sells pizza and stuff so gradually they've been adding things but earl of sandwich is going to be amazing because it's actually good and it's quick and easy and cheap and it's right in front of the disneyland hotel super convenient so let's see can we think of any other maybe uh, like you say little romantic things you can do besides since there isn't really a lot of opportunity to have private parties and of course cruises because there's no water to cruise on <laughs> um what are some um, other ideas most of my tips for people taking their honeymoons at disneyland is really about how you can find ways to you know make sort of make those magical moments within your trip or or just sort of ways to kind of get out of the way because like you said, there, there aren't a lot of special things that you could, you know, possibly pay for to have that experience set up for you. But I think all that Disneyland has to offer, there's so many nooks and crannies within the park that those magical moments can be found anywhere and that they're abundant really anywhere within the park. You just have to do a little bit of planning and you don't have to do as much planning as you would have to do for say a Walt Disney World trip in the, in the sense that for here, you make your dining reservations. You can only make them 60 days out. You don't have 180 days where you have to be on the phone. Or if you don't get on at 7 a.m., you might lose that reservation. And you'll never get it in the next six months. But at Disneyland, you can call up two weeks before. And most likely, they're going to have the reservation that you're looking for or at least a time around it. And they don't even give you an ADR number. They just take your name and your phone number and that's it. You know, yeah. it's not, it, it's a lot more laid back and a lot more casual. And so I think if you can sort of take that same mindset into your honeymoon, you're, you're going to have an amazing trip. Right. And which ties back into what you were saying earlier, that part of what makes a honeymoon trip special for most people is the ability to slow down and just enjoy it and not be on your commando tour where you got to get fast passes and ride every ride because it is different. It is your honeymoon and you want to relax. And maybe you didn't, you decided not to go to the beach. You went to Disneyland, but that doesn't mean you have to have a crazy every minute planned trip just because you're at Disneyland. So I hope that we've given you a lot of ideas if you're considering having your honeymoon at Disneyland and California Adventure. And while it may seem at first glance that there's not as much to do there as at Walt Disney World, I think especially for a first-timer, someone who's never been to Walt's Park, it's a really magical place to spend your honeymoon. And uh, hopefully you'll get to experience some of the stuff we've talked about. Thank you for coming on the show, Christy. Yeah, thank you for having me, Carrie. I hope that we see some of your listeners walking around the park while we're, while we're there. <laughs> 
That's our show for today. If you enjoyed it, be sure to rate the Disney Wedding Podcast on iTunes so that others will find it. You can also send your comments, questions, and suggestions to info at DisneyWeddingPodcast.com. Past shows are available in iTunes and on the show's website. And for instant answers to all your Disney's Fairy Tale Weddings questions, check out Passporter's Disney Weddings and Honeymoons Guide, available as an interactive ebook with continual free updates at passporter.com weddings.asp or in print at passporter.com and amazon.com. <laughs>